0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hour, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a little bit different about privacy. It's about people being able to tell the truth about what's happened to them. And we know that people have been abused. They've been sexually abused. They've been physically abused. And people are, you know, they're afraid to say anything and then they don't get the help that they need and it ruins them for their whole life. And so today we are speaking with someone who has had direct experience with violence, trauma, sexual abuse in in so much of her life, but it has taught her compassion, understanding, and wisdom, and it has helped her to just transform her life. And so she wrote this book that I've been uh, reading, and it is by Kathy Tuccaro, and the name of the book is Dream Big, Overcoming a Lifetime of Trauma and Abuse that led to dreams of success. Now not everybody is able to overcome all the trauma, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse that they've experienced, but Kathy's story of how dreaming big can change your life and that's I think you'll find when I talk to her why she wrote this to to really help herself and to help others. And in addition to being a motivational speaker and author, Kathy was a nurse and worked on various surgical medical geriatrics units for 13 years. She is also a certified occupational health and safety officer and works full-time as a heavy equipment operator, and she drives a 400-ton, 797, um, what is that, F, uh, Caterpillar truck truck as well as a uh, 208-liter-line water truck in northern Alberta uh, oil sands in Alberta, Canada. And so she believes in driving the biggest truck in the world today and having the biggest dreams. And I'm looking at this book, which is so cute, and it's on our website at at, uh, privacypiracy.org with this picture of this big cat. (laughs) <laughs> and um i love it i love it so without further ado i just want to give the website it's kathy Tucaro. that's k-a-t-h-y-t-u-c-c-a-r-o.com also if you go to privacypiracy.org you'll see her picture her bio a jpeg of her book and we link to her website as well so kathy thank you so much for joining us this morning Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Well, Kathy, I know you have been through so much. Um, tell us, first of all, why is it that you wrote this book?
0: Well, I wrote the book because um, it, was, it was primarily to release my own um, pain and trauma. I mean, I mean, I did have a lot of treatment in the past, and writing was always a healing factor. But it wasn't just for that. I wrote it so that people who are, in, are going through a tough time in life, whatever that may be, that they may find some tools uh, written inside that would, that would assist them in helping them to take the next step that they need to for, for their own personal recovery. I, I wrote it for, so that they could find a strength in my pain, in my trauma, that, to, to feel that they're not alone, right, that they, there's somebody else out there that maybe they can find some solace in. So, right, yeah.
1: and as a role model, I think is it is important to speak out about some of this pain that you've experienced and so that people know not only that they can recover but also know that someone understands the depths of the pain and the fear so tell if you're willing to like you did in your book if you can share about some of the horrible things that you experienced, not to get anybody upset, but just for people. There are other people who I know who have experienced similar things. So you want to give a little bit about that background?
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I was in a foster home until I was four years old, and I was molested by uh, the the father figure in the home. And my first memory was of of a hand covering my mouth and telling me to be quiet, And it's as if that memory um, had stayed with me my entire life of this hand over my mouth because I was never able to vocalize any trauma, anything that ever happened to me. I wasn't able to express it until I was 40 years old. Not even my mother knew anything. Mm. Um, She came to pick me up at four, and then she had remarried this man who turned out to be a real monster, and the amount of uh, family violence and dysfunction and sexual abuse that went on in that home was absolutely horrific. He was a pillar in the community, which everybody loved, but um, as soon as he came behind closed doors, he was a monster. Uh, She finally left him when I was about 10 and uh, moved across the the Canadian provinces to to Quebec, where her family's from. And it just kind of, I was raped when I was 14 by my first boyfriend at the time, i was uh... i began modeling when i was sixteen i had kind of cocoon from a, a, a i went from a, a cocoon to a, to a beautiful, beautiful butterfly and i was on tv and i was doing all these modeling stuff and during a, a photo shoot in miami when i was eighteen i was drugged and raped by a photographer and then you know, he, he was telling me that it's all my fault and all this stuff and so i was so ashamed that I, I didn't tell anybody about it so when i came back after the modeling thing didn't really work out when i was nineteen because I didn't have the personality for it, um, I was always led to believe that nothing was right about me—my height, my face, my—nothing was ever right in, in the modeling world. I was anorexic. I was bulimic. I was only 110 pounds. I mean, I'm five eight. Like it just—it was very, very difficult for my my personal self-esteem. So when I turned 19, I was back in Montreal, um, trying to just you know reset my life. I came home after working I was working in a, in a at a pool on top of, of a hotel, and I was jumped at three a m getting out of the cab, and I was gang raped. Mm. And so from there, um, the landlord, he had ended up uh, forcing himself on me after where I was living. It was just like one big thing after another. I found myself on a bridge wanting to jump and commit Aww. suicide. I couldn't tell my mother what happened. I didn't I felt so dirty, so ashamed. I, I didn't tell anybody. And I just carried that with me. I um, I had two suicide attempts, three suicide attempts back to back. I didn't feel that because um, I didn't have any proof that the police would believe me. It was kind of he said, she said. It just, and I was so traumatized inside that I just I couldn't figure out how to voice it. So I ended up doing a, a move across Canada instead, and I, I rebuilt my life. I. I uh, met, met a man, I had my daughter, I am married. I mean, everything was good. On the surface, everything is good. I, I went to nursing school. Here I am. I, I'm a, uh, by, the, by then, I had left my husband. I'm a single-divorced mom. I I'm, I'm put, put myself through nursing school. And on the outside, when you look at my, my nursing graduation pictures, it is the most beautiful smile you would ever see. But the thing is, you don't realize that what's lying underneath is actually festering. All that pain and trauma that I had pushed down, It had become infected. And so what that does, by not having a voice, by not dealing with it, by not going to counseling, it just it it festers inside and it rots, right? So that directly impacted the choices that I made. Every decision was based on low self-esteem and a negative self-worth. Even though I look good on the outside, (laughs) and I mean I have this great job, great future, on the inside is what was so... um, Negative and so so full of pain. So the men that I chose from that there on, from 2000 to 2007, were um, s- pretty much like my stepfather. Growing up, it was I endured an incredible amount of domestic violence. Even though I'm a nurse, I uh, I mean I lived with a shovel on my porch just to, just to tell you a few things uh, as a daily reminder of what I'd be buried with. I was strangled three times. Oh. I I mean I, I miscarried due to violence. I I was stalked for, what, a year. I had a personal bodyguard watching my every move. I mean, he used to sleep in front of the door so I wouldn't leave, like just all these horrific things. And I was in and out of women's shelters because while well, I was nursing because it was easier for me to care for other people's pain rather than look at my own. Right. Right. So it, it took until I was 40 to actually have a complete and um, total mental breakdown where I showed up to work and I, I'm reading my, my, i got 10 patients to take care of and I knew I couldn't do it anymore. I knew that something had to be done, and so that was the beginning. This was in 2008. That was the beginning of my learning um, to take a step away from life and learning to find out about who Kathy really was. About I had to I had to go to this women's um, what do you, uh, a recovery center where you live for a year and you don't worry about work, you don't worry about anything, but all you do is focus on you. And so I had to unlearn everything that had been put into my brain and relearn and accept who I am for what I am and not for the lies that have been fed into me since I was a child. Mm. And it was very, very difficult to do. I mean, I had to learn about boundaries. I had to learn about codependency, anger management. I didn't think I was an angry, angry person, but it comes out in different ways. Right. Um, there's um, Self-esteem. I had to take a 12-week sexual assault recovery group twice. Um, in order to unravel and, and, and peel away the layers of trauma that were there, it took a long time. I mean, things change like this doesn't happen overnight. People expect, well, you know, I, w- I went to treatment, I should be fine. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time. You got to chip away a little bit, little bit, every little baby step that you take is what's going to make you who you are, like, later on. But it's, it's very challenging, very hard, and you have to want it. Most, a lot of people that I met in treatment and, and all around, because now I work with women, we all have the same um, foundation in, in terms of abuse and all that, but most women, a lot of them, just give up or they, they say, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I, I can't do this. Well, that's the problem right there. You, well, you that's what be they've able been to believe told, in yourself a right. Bit,
1: right? Yeah, but that's what they've been told since they're four or five years old, right? You know. Yeah. And and so you it's they're so brainwashed by that. Yeah.
0: As I as I was, I was um, forty two, and I ended up losing my nursing career uh, completely. I had relapsed, and I ended up on the streets drunk and homeless my 16 year old daughter wouldn't talk to me I had Mm -hmm. slashed my arm in a drunken moment I don't remember Mm -hmm. I had nothing literally but the clothes on my back I had been robbed I mean you want to talk about depressed oh my god
1: yeah (laughs) it was
0: horrible yeah but but this man named Toothless Joe he ended up slapping me on the back and you know he's like oh this is the life and you know live it love it and I'm looking at my my surroundings and I it's as if He was a guardian angel because that slap on the back actually cleared the fog that I had going on in my head for so long. And I'm looking at my surroundings, and I'm like, wait a minute. I said, I'm in the worst possible place in in northern Canada with all these these zombie-like people. And I said, this is not my life. I don't care what you think is okay, buddy, but this is not my life. I turned around, and I went to get the help that I needed, like, for the alcohol. Oh, that's right. i become an alcoholic amidst all that. Sure. <laughs> because I had it's no way of with anything. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, right? really. So, but I had this, I had so many
0: things to, to take care of, but you can only tackle one at a time. Right. People get overwhelmed, right? So, I mean, I had to get rid of the alcohol, like, deal with that problem, because it's not so much the alcohol, it's everything underneath.
1: Right, and you were trying to just cover it up with
0: that, right? Yeah, I mean, that didn't happen until I was 42. Right. It doesn't
1: have to be that way. Right, right. Well, you know, and it just reminds me of that saying, whatever we resist persists, you know, whatever Mm, we resist. And so for so long... You know, since you were like a little tiny girl, four years old, you know, when you were getting, you know, basically sexually molested, you know, and the hand over your mouth, what a, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy of what happened to you. You know, you were shut up, you were shut up. And then when you did that, it's like you, you know, you were kind of attracting that by being this victim, even though you didn't consciously want to do that it was an unconscious kind of attraction of these things that happened to you cuz you didn't know boundaries you didn't have any boundaries no one ever taught you boundaries right yeah.
0: i actually had to ask my counselor when i was 40 my first counselor i said what does that mean <laughs> i didn't know what codependency was i didn't know i didn't I, it's all i was so naive in so many different ways that now I make a point of it everywhere I go and talk to ladies. I make sure that I explain it and I give, I give uh, you know, um, I talk about that because a lot of people don't really recognize how important boundaries are. Learning to say no was by far one of the best things that I could have ever learned. Exactly. And, and stick to my, my decision and not be wavered by someone trying to guilt trip me. If I say no, it's no. That's it.
1: Right, right. So, but, yeah. you know, just you think about you, the little girl that was in you and when you were four, when mm-hmm. you were molested in, in the foster home, I mean, how, do you, how does a little four-year-old say no to a, an adult? That's so hard, right? Oh, yeah,
0: no, I couldn't then.
1: No, I mean, it's just so hard. You just have to tell kids when they're tiny. You have to start ta- teaching them when they're little. Like if someone touches you in the wrong place, you need to get out of there. You need Absolutely. to do everything you need to do. You need to tell somebody. And, well, good touch, know, bad touch. Right? right, exactly. And I don't know how many people are doing that. You know, remind. You know, maybe they're afraid to bring it up to their kids. But, you know, in this day and age, when we've had priests who were molesting, and I, mm. I worked in the DA's office years ago, and I remember these um, these Bible class, uh, teachers were molesting little boys and we were prosecuting them and i thought oh my god these little boys are like you know 5 6 years old and they and their parents are trusting so you know it's um it we have to teach these kids it's unfortunate but we do because there's some very sick people out there. Oh, so, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So um so now you're actually going out and speaking to are you speaking to teenagers? I mean if you were to um if, if you were to speak to your teenage self <laughs> now, to go back, what would you tell your own teenage self, like you probably tell the groups you speak to?
0: Uh, yes, I do speak to teenagers. I, I travel around all, a lot of schools, to, to, especially I target the girls that are 14 to 18. And what I tell them is what I wish I could have told myself is, number one, have a voice. <laughs> speak out. Speak up. Don't swallow what is going on. I mean, don't, um, don't let the shame that you're feeling pre- prevent you from pressing charges, from telling someone. If you can't tell your teacher, your mother, or your, pe- or your family, tell someone outside. There's so many resources nowadays available to not keep it inside. I mean, I, I just spoke uh, at a school of 100 uh, uh, kids um, last month, and after my talk, there's two of the girls that went to press charges. I was so happy. That yes. They find me that I had said something that resonated with them, right? So that, that, that's very important. Most uh, And I look at these young girls, a lot of them, I mean, there's peer pressure. They, they want to please. You've got all the, soci- the, the social um, things pressure. going on. With, you know, you have yeah. to look a certain way and you have to be a certain way. And, and, no, I say just be yourself. doesn't matter what it is, but have a voice. stand on your own two feet no matter
1: how scary it is right and I think fear is a really big one you know as I look in your book I I really appreciate that you have at the end of the chapters you have questions to ask yourself to kind of relate like stop and reflect you know what is going on in your life that you feel a pulling a certain you know uh, you feel is pulling a certain uh, curtain over your own eyes you know because I think we all have this dark place or this secret place in us of things that we are afraid to share. You know, a lot yeah, of us have that. That's, and, that's
0: why I did that. Chapter one is fear. Because, right. yes, I do talk about a little bit about myself about a few things that I experienced, but it's more so giving suggestions and solutions to the reader to be able to actually stop for a minute, look at their own life, well, what am I afraid of? Like, or what could I do if I, wasn't, if I took the word fear out of the, out of the equation? How, what could I accomplish? Fear is yeah. a big barrier for a lot of people. Yes. And I have to say just you know what feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. <laughs> You're shaking in your boots the entire time.
1: <laughs> right. Right. You talk about it a uh, a bunch of different types of fear. You talk about external fear when there really is something it could be that somebody's chasing you. That that's a, Oh yeah, that, that's valid, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a valid one. But um, sometimes we carry those old thoughts with us into when there is no fear around. And there's an acronym that I love uh, for people who have a fear that is not really an imminent fear. It's Mm -hmm. that F stands for false, E for expectation, A appearing, and then R real. So false Mm -hmm. expectation appearing real. And it, it seems really real if you... You know, if you've been through the kind of trauma you've been through, and then your button gets pushed, and somebody looks at you the wrong way, and immediately you go into a panic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got the external fear, the internal fear, the subconscious. And there's also post traumatic
0: yes. stress disorders. I mean, that that in itself triggers the the past fears that you're taught, like you know, that I had been um, been through. And I, the what the cure I found for that because I'll give you an example. The, um, uh, now I drive the biggest truck in the world, and as it, it's not just a, road, a truck that you see every day on the road. Right. <laughs> For those that are listening, you have yeah. to actually see this truck. I drive a house. It's two and a half stories high, 3,800 square feet.
1: Right.
0: It, ca- it weighs a million pounds. It carries 400 tons of dirt on its back. It's, it's a monster.
1: Yeah. And
0: I remember the first day, like the picture on the, tr- uh, the cover of the book, it's my first day on site, and I'm looking up at this thing, and I'm thinking, oh, my dear Lord. <laughs> I am supposed to be driving this thing. You want to talk about fear and insecurity? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> cuz during training, they don't they, they tell you you're going to drive a big truck, but they never showed you what you're going to drive. <laughs> right.
1: But you know, I think Just, it's interesting, Kathy, cuz you you described your your um stepdad as a monster and then you described this big truck is a monster and it's like okay you're finally driving the monster instead That's of the right. monster driving you i mean isn't that interesting you and, know
0: and actually yeah I'll, I'll tell a quick story uh, the first month i'm driving this thing i'm you know my self-esteem is really shaky from years of being told i'm a sure. weak skin and i'm not good enough and i pollute the air and i'll never amount to nothing you know yada yada hmm. yada well the first month i'm driving this truck i had to um, go through a security point and they had uh, these these guards down because these uh, pickups are so small that you could literally run over them and not see them. So here I am going through the intersection, and uh, all I, I had a post-traumatic flash, and I, I all of a sudden I'm reliving the most humiliating moments of my oh. life, and I cannot see the road no longer. I have a very vivid vision oh. of of being strangled, of being you know beaten, and all these oh. things coming at me, and I'm not focused. I can't see the road. So what I did to get myself through that is I actually stopped and I said, "Oh heck no. You are not. My like my past does not define my my present and my right, future." Right. And I rolled down the window and I tossed all that negative thing all that negative energy out. I took a deep breath of fresh air and instead I looked around, and I did something really silly, but it gave me my power back. I had to give give myself some positive reinforcement. I did the queen wave as I was going through security. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was blowing kisses. I said, yeah, it's Kathy. Hi, how are you? Because what that did for me, it, it gave me back my power. And it's like, you know what, to all those who told me that I was so, you know, I'd never amount to nothing. Who is driving this truck? Right, exactly. <laughs> Who made all this effort? Who is driving this truck? I am. Right. So I had to acknowledge my own um, accomplishments in order to, to, to realize, wait a minute, you know, it's not my past. It's not, I'm not the sum of the opinions of other people. I am a very powerful woman yes. and I am driving this truck. So, yeah, it, it really it kind of re- rebalanced everything for me. So now from time to time when I do get, you know, little flashes, I just talk myself through it in a a positive way and and I can overcome it.
1: And, you know, I think I think that's such an important thing that I want to share with you and, uh, you know, that you are already doing as a role model and with the audience is that. Some people think that my thoughts are just my thoughts. I can't do anything about it. But we can change our thinking. We can choose to say like you did, stop, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to start thinking about that. And then you can create a different thought. And people Absolutely. don't always realize that. They, they think that they're a slave to their thoughts, but their thoughts, those negative thoughts and those negative things, just, you know, the more you ruminate on them, the worse they get. Right, yeah, that's that's so true, and it's a mindset. It truly is. If you
0: can learn to to teach yourself, the second you got a negative thought coming in your mind, you say, "Wait a minute, stop! Just stop! Throw it out! Replace it automatically with something positive." So instead of saying, "You know, oh, I'm fat today." go in the mirror darn i look good yeah (laughs) yeah flip it around or you really switch is what i call it when i give workshops you flip the switch
1: (laughs) yeah i love it it's it's what i call reframing you know and and when we say okay like i i had i was just telling you that i had to i found out that i had some dental issue i had a dental implant that failed they're never supposed to fail and i got all upset and then i said wait a minute Luckily, I found out about it. Luckily, I have a good dentist. Luckily, I have a good oral surgeon. Luckily, you know what I mean? I took... I took what happened and I was getting really down in the dump because it's a long process and it hurts and expensive. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I just decided I'm not going to think about that junk. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to think about all the gratitude that I have that I, I have the money to fix it and I can be fixed and I don't have to be in pain and I, you know, all those things. I just, you know, but we have to get conscious and aware. Yeah. Of what we're thinking, because if we're not aware that we're thinking and that it is that it is not us, that that thought is just a thought, it's a thing, that if we don't know that, then it's hard to change it. And especially That's as a true. little girl, you don't know, right? You don't know what the fear is. It seems yeah. real. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So what? Uh, oh, go, go, go ahead. No, no, oh, no. Go <laughs> ahead. Kate. I was gonna say I'm going um, I
0: next. I'm going back to work here on Tuesday. I work. In, I, well, for those that don't know, I work for ten days up in northern Canada, and then I fly home for ten days. So right now I'm on my ten days off. But when I go back, I'll, I'm learning. I'm learning a different piece of equipment. So you know the the road graders. Yeah. yeah, uh Okay. Well, the one I'm I'm getting on next week is the biggest grader in the world. It is bigger than the 18-wheel haul trucks that are on the road every day. So the grader is bigger than that. So it's a little um, intimidating, and I'm thinking to myself, part of me is like, oh, my God, I can't do this. Like, are you kidding me? Did you see the size of that thing? <laughs> and you know how you just go, go, go until right. I actually see, Cat, wait, wait a minute. Where are you going with this Stop!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're, you know, you're a good operator. You can do this. And a lot of other women done, have done it. And so I just reframe my thoughts. Yes. And boom. Instead, I go, you know, I'm learning about it ahead of time, and I'm, I'm educating myself on the type of grader, and I'm teaching myself so that I'm, I'm prepared when I get there. Right. It's, it's a different mind frame.
1: Yes, I love it. Well, we're, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to give the name of your book again. This is a true story hey. called Dream Big, Overcoming a Lifetime of Trauma and Abuse that Led to Dreams of Success, and I think, you know, Create, we create our own reality to extent. I mean, yeah, things happen to us that are beyond our control. But it isn't what we, you know, how we accept it. It's how we respond and how we change. And obviously, as a little girl, you couldn't. But, um, but when you were old enough, you made incredible changes. So I think the point is, is we have to teach our kids not to uh, – we need to keep, teach our kids boundaries, Right. And, absolutely and then absolutely <laughs> yes yes so thank you and i'm just give your website and i think you have a, a free uh, i think you're going to be giving a a free something a free away ebook if, if uh, oh. you can uh,
0: anybody that wants to contact me on my webpage just you know write me a quick note and i'll send you a free ebook absolutely um i and if anybody um, wants to even talk just contact me there on on my website and i'll definitely respond for
1: sure Uh, okay so so much it's kathy k-a-t-h-y to caro t-u-c-c-a-r-o.com kathy they can also reach you from our website at privacypiracy.org because we're going to link right to your website so thank you so much and just keep in touch and keep up the wonderful work that you're doing okay (laughs) Okay, thank you. I'm coming to L.A. next month, so I will. All right, thanks so much. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. And visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.